Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Excited to be here. With that being said, you know I'm, I'm beyond excited to, to continue as the coach of the head coach of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. 4.7 seconds. Gibson's got to get it in. Does Wiggins drives across midcourt. Andrew lets it fly at the buzzer for the win. All right, we are back here on the Howl, and let me start by saying. Apologies, we have been on quite a long hiatus. It's been too long to count at this point since we had a show. There's been a lot going on on this side of things, but we are back at it for another season of The Howl. And what a great start to the Timberwolves season. Lots to touch on. Timberwolves, of course, 3-1 and one early on in the season so far. Really should be 4-0, but they did have a bit of a clunker in that third game. But you know what? You're not going to go undefeated. Let's be honest. No team is going to be undefeated on the season. And so when you look at it as a whole, lose a bad game early on and learn from it. And that's exactly what the Timberwolves did. Uh, they talk about how uh, Chris Finch said practice after that loss was very testy. Guys were not happy. And honestly, that's exactly what you want to hear. You want to hear that players are mad. You want to hear that they're not willing to accept that poor performance. And what do they do the very next night? They go out and they beat the Bucks, right? They did some pretty incredible things. So lots to like and lots to uh, really be happy about early on in this season. You know, let's uh, kind of go back to game number one. We'll start there and kind of move from there. Lots, lots of good things from games one and two to take away. One thing uh, I would say in not just one and two, but in game three as well, that we saw, and this has been a common theme, I think, for a lot of Wolves fans have touched on this. They want more from D'Angelo Russell. That has been, to me, a common theme in talking with fans, in talking with people that cover the team. It really seems like that's something people really just want to have more of, right? We need to get better from D'Angelo Russell, and I think that's fair. I think it's fair to expect more from him. So the first game... It was the Wolves taking on the Houston Rockets, of course, and then that follows up with two games against the New Orleans Pelicans. So taking a look at that first game. So it was October 20th, Wednesday, and this was a, a game that I felt going into it, we really needed to dominate, right? You watch, you watch this game and you say to yourself, right, this is a game against a definitely rebuilding team where you want to see more. Uh, some, some interesting observations for me. Uh, starting with actually on the Houston Rockets side of the ball, a very talented player in Jalen Green obviously is on the Houston Rockets. I think his future is going to be very bright. Uh, the one thing I noticed watching that game is when he shoots a three-pointer, I said to myself, that's not going in. Now, obviously, we've seen since then, it's not necessarily the case as he had eight three-pointers in a game recently. But in that game initially, I watched it. I was like, ah, it, just doesn't, it just doesn't look good. I felt like even at times when maybe our defense wasn't as good as it could have been and he was open, Still couldn't hit shots. So uh, you saw some things from the Rockets, and that really played into why this was an important game to win. And they did end up winning it. Final score was 124-106. to By the way, let me introduce to you my co-host that I will have uh, some of this season, I think. And that is my two-year-old, Xavier. Two-year-old Xavier, can you say hi? Hi. 
Hi. Say, how's it going? How's it going? Can you say, go Wolves? Go Wolves. Yeah, he's a big Wolves fan. We watch games together when we can. Of course, a lot of the games are after his bedtime, so that plays into things as well. Let's take a look now at some of the specifics. Uh, going at the uh, box score for game number one. Some predictions before this game. I felt like we were going to see 20-point performances from not only Carl Towns, but Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. In addition, I felt like we were going to get at least six assists from D'Angelo Russell, as well as I was expecting Anthony Edwards to get multiple three-point shots. And we were able to get just that. And actually, if you look at the finals here, you had 22 from Russell, 30 from Towns, 29 from Anthony Edwards. And Anthony Edwards had some streaks in this game that were absolutely fantastic. And you'll, you'll see as we go through this season, that's been, I would say, a trend, is that he has stretches where he just plays some absolutely incredible basketball. He takes over games. He's been able to do that in multiple games. Very impressive. Uh, the one thing we saw from these early games, actually, that we did not see in the most recent game was Josh Akogi starting. So we did go for a little bit of a smaller lineup. He played at that power forward position. Now, he didn't play a ton. He did start um, in this game. Or I started saying he didn't, he didn't jump off the page statistically. He played some pretty good defense, as he does, right? But he's not getting full starter minutes. 20 minutes for him. You look at some of the other guys um, that would play that role. And you talk about, of course, uh, one of my favorite players, Jared Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt only put 15 minutes in this game. So those are the guys that were getting those minutes at that four spot uh, for the most part. Nas Reed, I don't believe, played any of the four in that game. Uh, but he did. You know, he played a significant amount of minutes as well. But the only guys really playing full-on starter minutes would have been, you know, Russell was the lowest at 24. But you get 29 from Towns, 31 from Edwards, um, 20 from Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley is interesting to me. I know a lot of fans disagree with me, but I want more from him. Now, he did some nice things in this game, right? Nine points, four assists, a single rebound. Team needs to rebound better. That has been a trend early in these f first few games. Now, granted, when we watch that Bucks game, it's a little different. He had a nice double-double from Towns. He did add in uh, 10 rebounds, which is good to see. Not a lot as far as assists are concerned, but overall, you got a number of different guys that were able to contribute in that area, right? You got four from Beasley. You had Patrick Beverly, by the way, I should mention this. He did not play in this game. The reason is he did do something that I think we all wanted to do in the playoffs, which was shove Chris Paul. And to me, that's a well worth it technical foul. Who hasn't wanted to do that? Uh, so it's something to kind of keep in mind uh, why he was not in this game. And that's another reason why, too, I think there were more assists to go around because you have your backup point guard, your main backup, I should say, not playing any minutes, not in that game. Of course, Jordan McLaughlin was able to, you know, get on the track uh, starting off. You know, he had a, a little bit of everything. Three points, four assists, two rebounds. There's a lot to like about Jordan McLaughlin. He's been kind of a fan favorite. He had a down year last year. But the positive to him having that down year is, is because of that, we were able to sign him this year for cheap. That's a good thing. And so long term, you hope that that can turn into something because you don't know how long Patrick Beverly is going to be here for. Now, personally, I hope he's here uh, a number of years. He's not a young player by any means. He's been in the league a long time. He's played over in China, so he's kind of been all over the place. And so, to me, this is a player that you hope you can keep in the fold. And you've seen this early on, whether it's on the court, whether it's off the court. He says all the right things. He does all the right things. He is the guy that I've wanted for so long on this team. Back when, I think some good examples of this would be, uh, if you go back and you think back to there's a specific play when the Wolves were playing. Now, this is a while ago, but this is the Wolves were playing the Lakers back when we had Beasley, M Michael Beasley, that is, and they had Andrew Bynum. And Andrew Bynum, one of the dirtiest, I mean, he's a dirty player. He was. He didn't have a long career. Sorry. But a dirty player for sure. He had a number of plays. And there was a play where he, you know, Malik Beasley's going up for a shot, and he just throws, like, just drills Beasley. And no one does anything. Whether it was Kevin Love, Pekovic was there. We had a number of players. No one cared. No one cared. No one gotten. No one stood up for our player, and that has always bugged me. Plays like that are so common. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny. A good example of this. This is actually a few years ago when Ricky Rubio was going up against Patrick Beverly of all people. And of course, Patrick Beverly is one of those players that when he's not on your team, you're not going to like him as much. That's just the way it's going to be. And so there was that play where he kind of slaps the ball in Rubio's hands or tries to, and Rubio pulls it away. He shoves Rubio. And then what happens? Pretty much nobody on the Timberwolves cared. 
And that's always so frustrating to me. And now you have that guy that's going to – he's like that – Minnesota fans will understand this. He's, the, he's A.J. Prasinski. He's a guy that when he's on your team, you love him. Otherwise, you don't. And, and uh, as, as Minnesota fans, we understand very well uh, a player like that when you think of A.J. Prasinski and his time with the Twins. So a player that we love – uh, on and off the court. He said something interesting. If you have not watched this, I strongly suggest you watch the Track the Pack. The Track the Pack is a really cool thing that they do on YouTube, the Timberwolves do. I believe it's on their website as well. And Patrick Beverly, they, they did this part where each player goes to the front, introduces themselves, and kind of says something. And he says, I'm here, and one of the things he says he's here for is to file, foul the ass out of somebody. And so... To me, he's, a, he's willing to do the things that some players aren't willing to do. And whether that's stand up for his teammates, whether it's you know do the dirty work, that's what you brought in Patrick Beverly for, and that's what he's been able to bring early on. And we've seen that not only on the court, but I, it sounds like you've seen that in practice. He just is asking for players to be better, to do more. And that's a veteran presence that the Wolves have not had in a long time. In fact, I would argue the last time they really had someone that was this defensive-minded, this hard of a fighter, that was KG. I don't know that since KG we've had anyone like that. And so it's amazing to have a player like that. And I think we've seen early on that it's really paid benefits with some of these young players. We're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. Makes a difference to have a leadership voice like that in the locker room and on the team. Jumping into game number two, I think uh, we've kind of talked enough about game number one. There wasn't really anything that jumped off the page. You beat a team that you should. And that's the way it was. You move on to game number two here. Now, the final score in game number two does not really tell the whole story. 96-89 was the final. But this game was actually uh, much more in hand earlier on. And so I'm not. it's not one of those things where I look at the score and say, man, we should have been better against a Pelicans team that's not necessarily rebuilding. But when you don't have Zion Williams, uh, Zion Williamson, I just, to me, it's going to be a team that you have to beat, right? And you do end up beating them in this game. And you had some pretty big leads, uh, especially in the second quarter. You had a lead, uh, almost 20 points. You were, for the most part, you know, fairly dominant. So it's one of those games where you're not too worried. Towards the end, you brought in some of your backups. You know, you got some minutes from uh, uh, some other players. I mean, it's one of those things where you're just uh, you're not that worried about it uh, long term. Uh, taking a look at some of the guys and what they were able to do uh, in this one. One guy we haven't actually touched on. Yet, uh, Torian Prince has been a very interesting player. Uh, in this game, for example, he played 15 minutes. He was a plus 9, which is solid to see. He actually led the team basically in plus minus in this one. Uh, the other guy that was up there was Anthony Edwards with plus 10. But so Tor Torian Prince is interesting. You bring him in, he's kind of going to be that 3-4. slash four. You're going to bring him in there. He's a little bit of a smaller 4, obviously. But he can play defense. He can hit shots. That's what you want to see from him. And and it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me early on with Prince. You know, for example, in this game, he was one of two from three. So he's shown the ability to do that. He's played some pretty good defense. But overall, I think when you look at what this roster has and what it's missing, another true four is something I think is very important for the Wolves to go after. And we'll touch on that a little bit later in the episode. But that's kind of interesting to me. You talk about Vanderbilt, and after that, there's not a lot of great options there, whether it's Josh Okogie, whether it's Torian Prince. Well, we'll see what ends up happening there long term. But early on, you have seen, especially in the first three games, some interesting issues involving the power forward position, I think, rebounding. That has been a concern. Now, we'll get into the, the Bucks game. You know, it started to right the ship there, and we made some adjustments as far as the rotations. But early on, that was a bit of an issue. Uh, you know, other guys in this game... We touched on about how D'Angelo Russell really wasn't as good as he needed to be in these first few games. This was a good example of that. Only 12 points, one assist, three rebounds. You know, 29 minutes, you need to do better than that. A plus nine, but to me, that's more about who he's playing with than it is him. He was not the guy that was getting the job done. Now, I will say this. I think he has improved on defense, but also, let me add this. Uh, I saw uh, Brendan uh, Hentke... Uh, he I, he was one of the people that I believe sent out the defensive rating through the first three games. I think the top player, if I recall, was D'Angelo Russell in terms of defensive rating. First of all, defensive rating is, a, is not a great stat. It's not a terrible stat. Like, you'd rather look good on the stat than, than not. But I don't think it tells the whole story. And I don't think you watch these first three or four games and say, wow, D'Angelo Russell's been the best defender on the Wolves. Because it's not. That's not the case. He has not been. 
But it's still good, and I think it's encouraging because I do see improvements from last year to this year. I think he moves a little better. Let's not pretend that D'Angelo Russell is a bad athlete, right? He needs to move better. He needs to play smarter on defense, and we're seeing him take those steps early on in the season. But back to this game specifically, seven turnovers in this game. There were lots of things that you wanted to see. Two of seven from three is not going to get the job done. Five of 14 overall, it's not going to get the job done. D'Angelo Russell needs to be consistently better on both ends of the court for this team to truly be successful. And we have not seen the consistency we need early on. Uh, other guys, of course, that jump off the page. Anthony Edwards with 19 points, five assists, nine rebounds. I mean, you want to know why you win the game. He's a big part of that. Carl Towns, 25 points, two assists, only four rebounds. We touch on how important rebounding is and how it's really been an issue early on in the season. That's, you know, it's, it's it begins and ends with your big man, right? He's got to be better. And one thing... I noticed specifically in not just this game, but in games in general, second chance points. Our defensive rebounding has been just poor, and we cannot have that continue if we're going to be successful. So that's something really to watch for going forward. We talk about Jared Vanderbilt eventually switching to being a starter in that Bucks game. Here's a good example. He had four points in this game, but eight rebounds. Eight rebounds almost led the team in rebounds, and he only played 12 minutes. Minus seven in the game. And right there... That's another example. And how about this? Patrick Beverly, his first game with the Timberwolves, first game actually playing, he was a minus six. You think those two players weren't two of our better players in this game? No, they were. They were two of our better players. They consistently are, especially defensively, explains, and it's a good example of why plus minus in single game sets, and really as a whole, plus minus is not a great stat, but especially in single game statistics, it just doesn't really tell much of a story. Again, your final score in this game was... 96 to 89. Uh, jumping over to the Pelicans side of the basketball again, no Zion Williamson. Brandon Ingram, I was impressed. I was very impressed with him. 30 points, four assists, six rebounds. And here's a crazy stat to me Nikhil Alexander Walker, 14 points, but 14 rebounds. I like, I like Alexander Walker. I think he's a solid player. He would have been a guy that I would have loved for the Wolves to have, find a way to get in that, in that draft. I think he's a very talented player, but 14 rebounds, just unacceptable. To, to let that happen, and we need to be better. And that's that's the bottom line. And how about this? Jonas Valanciunas dominated us. I mean, he really seemed to dominate us in this one. Uh, 20 points. You had 17 rebounds. Oh, man, very frustrating to watch. All right, now jumping into the next game, the third game, and, of course, the uh, worst game on the season by far is a game that we definitely should have won. You go into this game... You're playing a Pelicans team that you just had, for the most part, dominated the night before, aside from rebounding, of course, and you really saw a lot of things that were very frustrating in this game. Now, one thing I want to talk about in this game, and I'm sure other people have mentioned this, but I personally, I don't, I don't recall seeing it a lot, is, yes, the Wolves played poorly, no question, but can we talk about the Pelicans? Specifically, Devontae Graham hit some absolutely incredible shots in this game, especially when the Wolves had tried to come back a few different times. There was one specific three-point shot that really stuck out to me, and that was it was the end of the shot clock, and you see Devontae Graham just chuck it up. And at that point, I think we were back within six, I want to say, at that point. And so it was one of those things where, I mean, it's an absolute game-changer. He misses that shot, the Wolves get the ball, and now they've got all this momentum. And it, and it wasn't just that play. There were multiple plays throughout the night where I felt like Devontae Graham just hit some impossible shots. And I don't want to take anything away from him, but I just want to kind of throw a little bit of context in there where maybe the game the game was bad, but it was just a few little things going a different way and, and you have a chance uh, to win that basketball game. So it's one of those things where, to me, uh, that's one piece that, that does kind of stand out to me about this game. Now, I think the the biggest talking point when this game was over was the Carl Towns uh, aspect of this game. And that was, you know, you watch this game, and I'll, let's start with the first quarter. And if you look at the first quarter, uh, this is the one thing that I had a ton of people reach out to me and we were talking about the game, and they were really upset with how Carl Towns handled himself at times in this game. And specifically, I had a number of people say the first quarter specifically. So I went back and watched the first quarter of that loss, right? And what people were mad about is that Carl Towns played too emotional, and he got so upset, and the referees got into his head. 
and they were they were I mean there were actually a, a decent amount of people blaming Carl Towns for this loss. Now, for anyone that didn't watch this game, let me tell you something. Carl Towns is not the reason we lost this game. Carl Towns was absolutely fantastic in this basketball game. And when you look at that first quarter, and I implore anyone that has the ability to watch it back, DVR, um, I'm sure there's some other ways you could probably watch it back. I think if you have League Pass, you could watch it back now. You just can't watch it back because of restrictions, uh, if you're in Minnesota at least. So if you watch that game back, though, uh, the one thing you want to keep in mind is Carl Towns was in that first quarter two times. I watched it back. There were two specific plays where I felt that there was an issue with Carl Towns and the emotions getting the best of him. And the the one was, so he got a mismatch uh, just above the, kind of in between the three-point line and the free-throw line. And he ended up trying to exploit that mismatch. And when he couldn't do it initially, he ended up taking a really poor shot. He forced up uh, a really stupid shot. And, and it, clearly there was some frustration there for him. And then the other play was when he tried to draw an offensive foul. And, I mean, it was in transition on Valanciunas. And it wasn't a foul. They were not going to call it. It was one of those. It's the play that if you ever watch Wolves basketball, Jim Peterson always talks about that. It's the uh, where a guy, you know, you're running in transition or you're going in transition, and a defender stops, and then you hit him, and you know, it's it's one of those stupid plays. And and I'm with Jim Peterson. I think it's really stupid. I'm not a fan of of that type of play. But aside from those two specific plays, I'm sorry, but if you're going to say that Carl Towns let the refs get the best of him, I'm I'm going to have to strongly disagree. It just did not happen. Well, at least specifically in that first quarter, just not a thing. And on top of that, I get really frustrated when I watch Wolves games and then I have conversations with other people, whether it's fans, whether it's media, and people want to make an example of Carl Towns. Here's my problem with that. Why is it okay for all the other superstars or stars or however you want to classify Towns, all the big-name guys, all of them, and I mean every single one of them, complain constantly. Watch Luka Doncic play sometime. Watch Chris Paul play sometime. LeBron James. All the big-name players complain constantly. And you know what the difference is between them and Carl Towns? They get calls. Carl Towns, in his entire career, I can't think of a season or a stretch of games where I felt he was officiated the same way those other star players have been officiated. It just doesn't happen. And it's so frustrating to me to watch that time and time again. And so this idea that Carl Towns, not only does he have to put up with the fact that he doesn't ever get foul calls, but he also then has to be held to a standard we don't hold any other players to. And to me, that's absolutely ludicrous. So frustrating to me when I see fans doing that. And, you know, there it's not all fans. There's a lot of fans that are like me, and I actually had interactions with people that said the exact same thing. How crazy is it for Minnesota fans to turn on their best players when the game doesn't go the way they want it to? Joe Maurer, right? That's a guy that uh, how many times have people ripped into him for bilateral leg weakness or not hitting enough home runs or whatever the case may be? If you're a, a superstar or if you're a star player in Minnesota, you just, in some cases, are held to these just weird standards now, granted, if you're a star player in a in what they would deem a larger market, right, like a, a New York or you know California things like that, I do think it's overall going to be tougher for you, just in terms of the media, the spotlight, all those things. But I just think Minnesotans have a tendency to treat their stars. It's very much, what have you done for me lately? It's very reactionary. We, we do a lot of that here. Uh, Kirk Cousins, another example of a player that I don't think we fully appreciate just how good he really is. We're always looking for reasons to dislike players, and I don't know why that is. And specifically with basketball, you know, you talk about uh, the Wild, you talk about the, the Vikings. Those are very passionate fan bases, and I don't think it's a question at all. I don't think it's even close that those are those are bigger, more consistent, better fan bases just in terms of there's not a lot of fair weather uh, fan when it comes to those teams. But when it comes to the Timberwolves, and by the way, the Twins, very diehard fans. There's diehard fans. I know a number of just absolute diehard fans. And granted, the Wolves have that. But when you look at the last, let's say, 15 years or so, 
where the Wolves have really struggled. And, and let's not pretend that in the you know 30, 30 years or so that the Wolves have been around, um, let's not pretend that we've had a lot of success, right? We've been to the Western Conference Finals one time, and aside from that, it's been a lot of maybe you know one, one series, maybe not making it in most cases at all. But there's not a lot of consistency. There's a lot of fair-weather fans in Minnesota when it comes to basketball, which is really unfortunate. Now, the Wolves fans that are really passionate and really into it are some of my favorite people. I love going on Twitter. I love interacting with people. There are a lot of really great fans out there. But just in general, Minnesota needs a winning team to show up for basketball games. You don't need that necessarily with the Vikings or with the Wild. People are going to show up. It's a state of hockey for a reason, right? Now, you could argue that in a way it's a state of basketball, just in terms of the fact that we have so many talented players coming out of this state now. Whether it's, you know, look at Chet Holmgren. Look at... uh, the, the Jones brothers, there's just, over the last few years, there's so many incredible players. Jalen Suggs, there's just so many in, incredible players coming out of Minnesota. And so I think that now versus, let's say, 10 years ago, I do think we have a, a more solid basketball base in Minnesota. But just in general, I just think it's so tough because there is a lot of uh, Fairweather fans out there. And you see that constantly. And we talk about how Carl Towns, uh, takes has taken the brunt of it a little bit at times. Let's take a look at what Carl Towns did in this basketball game. People want to say that he was a reason why we lost, right? That's one. That was a talking point. Again, so ridiculous. And I believe the stat that I saw was the Wolves were 17. It was something around 17 points better when he was on the court than when he wasn't. And that really kind of sets the tone a little bit. But then if you kind of dive deeper, too, and if you actually look into these statistics, right, like how good did Towns play? And actually, before we get into that, I think I want to touch real quickly on that first quarter we talked about earlier and how people were upset about uh, Carl Towns. If you watch that back, there must there was four or five just really, really bad calls before Towns even did anything. And here's what frustrates me when you watch it back. First of all, Ed Malloy, terrible official. Everyone knows it. Uh, the NBA just doesn't care. The NBA does not hold their officials accountable. Ed Malloy, everyone knows the uh, history with the Timberwolves, Kevin Love, Alan Horton, that whole deal. If you don't look it up, it's definitely worth it. And it's actually in our intro. We have the Ed Malloy soundbite in our intro. And if you watch the play where Carl Towns gets, uh, gets that technical foul, absolutely ridiculous because the explanation, and Carl Towns actually went up to Jim Peterson uh, out of the timeout, and was talking to him because what the referee told him, what Emily told Carl Towns, is that he teed him up for clapping in his face. That is absolute nonsense. It did not happen. Carl Towns did clap. He was technically facing Ed Malloy, but he was not near him by any sense of the imagination. He was not clapping in his face. I just to me, at times, officials have this really short fuse, and it's very frustrating, and it's not consistent player-to-player or referee-to-referee. So very frustrating. And if you look at diving in, so final score in this game was 107-98. Wolves lose by 9. Very easily could have won this game despite how poorly they played. I mean, that that's the crazy part. But if you dive into the actual statistics of, of the game, how about this? Carl Towns, 32 points. 14 rebounds, 7 assists. I'm sorry, but even if you want to say, well, the the box score doesn't tell the whole story, I'm sorry, but Carl Towns was a plus 8 in that game. played 40 minutes. He was fantastic. And I will not listen to anyone that wants to say that he played poorly or that he was a reason why we lost that game. You want to blame somebody? Blame D'Angelo Russell, a minus 12. That's a real issue. Josh Okogie starts this game. He's a minus 10 in 11 minutes. These are guys that actually had negative impacts on the game. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Patrick Beverly was a minus three, but I'm sorry. that do- That's an example of where it doesn't tell the story. Patrick Beverly has been solid for us. By the way, if you look at Carl Towns, not only did he do that, but two steals and two blocks. We have seen an improvement, a massive improvement as a team on the defensive end, and Carl Towns is no different. Just been so impressive in these games. And, and the other guy we really want to touch on in this game 
And if you have the chance, watch back the third quarter because this game, we talk about how we could have easily won this game. We also could have gotten blown up by even more. But Anthony Edwards put the team on his shoulders, specifically in that third quarter, was so dominant. And overall in this game, 28 points, 3 assists, 9 rebounds. So good. So many good things from uh, Anthony Edwards here. Uh, 4 of 11 from 3, which on the surface doesn't sound great, but you're almost 37%. It's not bad. Uh, if you're in that 37 to 40% range, I don't think uh, I'm going to be too upset uh, if I'm watching you play basketball. Anthony Edwards has been so good on this season. Of course, in the end, the Wolves do fall short. Again, final score here was 107-298. Lots to uh, dislike from this game. You know, we touched on the fact that the team was really struggling to rebound, and we've definitely gone a different direction after this game. You, know, you look at the Timberwolves specifically, so um, when we look at total rebounds, and you, you scroll down the list here, give me a second as I want to bring this up, but your total rebounds, 41 rebounds for the Wolves. Jump over to the Pelican side of the basketball, and they had 60 rebounds. That is a massive disparity, and it cannot happen. You can't have that. And again, we, we had Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You know, He had 14 rebounds that one game. He had seven rebounds in this game. Those are things that cannot, 23 rebounds. Think about that. 23 rebounds for Jonas Valanciunas. That's only 18 less than we had as a team. Jonas was actually closer to us as a team rebounding than we were to the Pelicans as a team rebounding. That is something that just cannot happen. And how do we address that? Let's jump into that next game and talk about that a little bit. We actually address that by making the change that I think a lot of fans were really hoping for, and that was taking Josh Okogie out of that starting lineup. No offense to Josh Okogie. I like him as a player, but the, the things that you don't get with Josh, right? Yes, he plays bigger, and he's very athletic than you would think from his height, but to me, you need a true power forward in this league. But the difference would be if Josh Okogie was really good offensively, and he's just not. Do you sometimes get games from him where you say, all right, wow, like Josh, that was pretty impressive. But on the whole, I don't trust him to make a corner three. I don't trust him to make the right decisions necessarily on the offensive end of the basketball. He's a very good defensive player, but aside from defense, I just do not trust him offensively, and I know I'm not alone in this. And that's something to kind of watch for going forward. They make the change in this game. They end up putting... Jared Vanderbilt in the starting lineup, and I think it just paid massive dividends. And not only did they put him in the starting lineup, but Josh Okogie didn't even play in this game. So let that sink in a little bit. Uh, look at Jared Vanderbilt. He was, you know, surprisingly, this is a good example, again, of where plus-minus does not tell the story. If you watched this game, he was very impressive. Jared Vanderbilt was very impressive. 30 minutes. They have him as a minus-9. That does not tell the story. That man was out there doing everything. And such a good defender, only three fouls on the game. Very impressive there. Two for two from the free throw line, which was nice to see. I mean, he didn't have to do a lot in terms of scoring, but he did get you 10 points. He got you 13 rebounds, and he threw in three assists. Are you telling me you wouldn't take that every single game from Jared Vanderbilt, especially given the high level of defense and the active hands and, and all the things that he does? I mean, so impressive. So incredibly impressive. And then talk about one of the things, we take that Pelicans game and we jump from that into the Bucks game and you look at specifically Carl Towns. He was a man on a mission. He wasn't going to say a thing. He put his head down and he just got to work. And it showed. And I'm sorry, but if you, may, if you were going to rip Towns uh, in that Pelicans game, I want to see you talk about how impressive it was for him to just get to work, right? What do they say? He brought his lunch pail, and he just uh, he just sat down and he did it. He got to work, and he, I mean, absolutely was fantastic in this game. 25 points, 5 assists. You know, the interesting thing here is only 3 rebounds, but if you look at that, that's because other guys stepped up. You got 6 rebounds from Patrick Beverly, 7 from Anthony Edwards. Russell had 5, 13 from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Jade McDaniels, a player who had had almost no rebounds through the, through the first three games. I mean, just that was not something you were seeing uh, from him enough. Gets 11 boards. 
That's so incredibly impressive. And not only did Jared Vanderbilt have 13 rebounds, he had six offensive rebounds. So very impressive from Jared Vanderbilt. Very impressive from your Wolves in this game. So much to like. And the player we got in the first three games, D'Angelo Russell, he clearly put the work in. Jim Peterson talked about this during the telecast, how we had really seen him put an emphasis on his shooting in between games, and it showed he came out on absolute fire in this game. And the Wolves in general just were unstoppable. And how about this? So Jim Peterson talked about uh, in his time with the Timberwolves, he has never known the Wolves to be down in the all-time series. And going into this game, the Wolves were tied with the Bucks for the all-time series, and they end up winning this one, obviously. And they're, now they're a game up in terms of all-time series, which not a huge thing, but just kind of an interesting fact to add to it. And on top of that, it's a wire-to-wire victory. And for the Timberwolves to go into Milwaukee and not only beat the Bucks, but get a wire-to-wire victory, I mean, teams just don't do that to the Bucks on their home court. It just doesn't happen. This is one of the more impressive wins we've seen in a very long time. Uh, as Timberwolves fans, this is something we just do not get enough of. And the the more of this, you know, inject this into my veins, man. I am all for it. This is something that needs to continue happening. Final score here, by the way, one thirteen to one hundred eight was your was your final. And uh, you know, we talked about D'Angelo Russell being fantastic, uh, doing a little bit of everything. You know, six assists, five rebounds, twenty nine points uh, led the way there. Twenty five from Anthony Edwards. He puts up uh, twenty five seven and three. I just I was so impressed with so many different players. Now, I will say this. We talk about D'Angelo Russell being better uh, as a whole, but still 3 of 11 from 3, and he did take some some questionable shots. There's one shot in particular in that second half where we were in a little bit of a fast break, but mostly it was D'Angelo Russell on like 3 or 4 bucks, and he just t- stops and pops a 3-point shot. That can't happen. And at times... You know, they talk about this, and we've talked about this on the show before. You live and die with D'Angelo Russell. He takes some questionable shots, but he also has the ability to make questionable shots. So you definitely live and die with D'Angelo Russell. I do want him to shoot better. 3 of 11 is not going to cut it. Anthony Edwards from 3, 2 of 10, not going to cut it. Those are players that we need to see uh, improvement from. I need more than that. Malik Beasley, people think I'm too hard on him, but 6 points, uh, 3 assists, and 2 rebounds. Here's what I'll say. I don't know that we have fully put Malik Beasley into a position to succeed. And what I mean by that, and someone else pointed this out, and I think it's very true, is that it's tough to get into rhythm in the NBA. It's tough to just get thrown out there and just perform. And so to me, it, it is a little tough for him to go out there. He doesn't see the ball a lot. I don't feel like he's a very large part of the offense at this point. But I think part of that, too, is on him. He came into this season And he just, to me, he doesn't seem like he has it all there. Whether it's, I don't know if it's conditioning, I don't know exactly what it is, but something just seems a little off from Malik Beasley. But, very solid player. There's so much to like about Malik Beasley on the court, and I do think that he's going to continue to get better, and he's going to be a guy that we're going to definitely rely on, uh, at least uh, eventually if we don't trade him. Because I do think, whether it's him, whether it's Torian Prince, I do think those are two players to watch, because... Yes, it was great to see the Wolves make that transition from Josh Okoge to Jared Vanderbilt and to see that pay off. But when you watch this game, it was still very clear that we could use another Jared Vanderbilt-type player. I know one name that has kind of jumped off the page a little bit just because I don't know that he's fully appreciated there uh, is in Toronto, and that's Chris Boucher. I do think that's a name to watch going forward if they do look to move him. Are we going to be a team that jumps in that race? Because I think Chris Boucher would fit on this team so incredibly well. And if your power forward rotation was Chris Boucher and Jared Vanderbilt in some order, I do think you, I think that's a big upgrade. I really, really do. And I, if I'm the Wolves, I, I definitely strongly, strongly uh, look to see if I can make something like that happen. Yeah, we have, no, let's add this. We have Nathan Knight, and I know some people have asked why he isn't playing. You know, I, I don't think he's fully, he's a spot minutes type guy right now. And he's not with Iowa, by the way, who we're going to talk about here in just a second. He is not with Iowa currently. He is still with the, the, the main club. He is with the main Timberwolves. And I think part of that is because they want to have him around in case there's any issues with uh, whether it's Carl Towns, who's had some uh, liabilities in terms of fouling. You want to make sure you have that body available if you need B, if you need him to, uh, if you need him to play. But also, 
uh, I, I've seen other people talk about this, but defensively, uh, Nathan Knight would definitely struggle a bit. And so that's kind of one of the reasons why we have not seen much of him. He's not a guy that's going to be able to just jump right in and play major minutes. It's just not going to work that way. Uh, so that's where kind of we're at with that. Again, I think a guy that Chris Boucher would make a lot of sense, and there's definitely some other names out there to watch for. And ultimately, we'll see what the T-Wolves end up doing. Would not shock me if they end up making a trade. And of course, there's always going to be that Ben Simmons talk, right? What's going to happen with Ben Simmons? The, the, the most recent things that we've heard is that he's no longer being fined because he's out for some personal reasons, I believe, is the way they phrased that. I don't know exactly what that's going to entail. I know there's been some talk about how his back has been bothering him a little bit. You know, it's tough to know what actually is smoke, what's fire when it comes to Ben Simmons just because he doesn't want to play. He doesn't want to be there anymore, and I can't blame him. I think what's going to really hasten a possible move for the 76ers is going to be if they uh, lose basketball games. You know, they almost lost recently to the Pistons. They have definitely struggled a bit early on, and if they continue to struggle, if they can lose some games, maybe to some teams that they really shouldn't be losing to, I think that's going to change things quite or more quickly, but again, it's Daryl Morey, and I think it's tough to understand or see it from his perspective because the way he does things to me is just a little weird, a little off-kilter. I don't know that he always makes the right decision. I think some of it's a little bit of a hubris, a little bit of ego for him, and I do think that the team does uh, take the brunt of that and does uh, it hurts him a little bit. So let's move on now. Again, 113-108 to 108 was the final in that game. I guess before uh, before we move on, uh, Giannis was very impressive in this game. 40 points, 16 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, it's Giannis, right? The guy gets the job done. He's efficient. Uh, he hit a couple. He hit a few threes. You know, it's one of those things, we talk about this a lot, but it feels like guys that don't perform against other teams find a way to perform against the Wolves. And this was another example of that. You know, he comes into this game, and he had not been, you know, uh, three-point shots had been a definite issue for him. Uh, not that he's ever been a you know a guy that's jumping off the page, but he was three of six in this game. I can promise you the games before this, he was not three of six. If that kind of puts things into at least a little bit of a perspective. Uh, in terms of who else kind of jumped off, honestly, most of the other players were, were for the most part shut down. You, know, you got 16 points from Middleton, 13 from Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen, by the way, who has a history of, of really hurting the Wolves, and that did not happen in this game, which was good to see. So overall, I think the Wolves played a fantastic game, uh, built a really large lead, and the Bucks pushed, and the Bucks pushed hard, and the Wolves were able to withstand all those punches and find a way to win the game. So very impressive there from the Timberwolves. Now I want to touch on the uh, game I actually just watched recently. It was the G League game, first game for the Iowa Wolves, taking on the Ignite Technically not a regular season game. It was considered an exhibition. If you have not watched it, I would suggest you do so. You can actually go right onto the uh, G League's webpage. And uh, if you click on that, you can actually watch the game in its entirety. It actually takes you over to YouTube. The interesting thing is I had trouble trying to find out how the game was going to be able to be watched. Our plan here on the Howl this year is to cover the G League team. We're going to really watch those games a little closer and actually give you coverage, full coverage of the Iowa Wolves. And so I was able to watch this game, but again, it's a little tough to find. You can't go through YouTube. I tried that and could not find a link there. I went through the G League's website and was able to uh, watch the game that way. So uh, we'll jump into that game now. Uh, for anyone that isn't aware, uh, one of the big reasons why I think a lot of uh, fans were really excited for this game, not only are you playing the the G League Ignite, which is, you know, for anyone that isn't aware, that's kind of the the new thing, right? You know, last year they had a lot of really good players, whether it was Dacian Nix, whether it was Jalen Green, uh, Jonathan Kamenga. There were lots of big players there. And this is a, I don't think that the fanfare is there as much as it was last year, um, but still some, some pretty big names in this game. And if you are a Wolves fan, they had a couple guys that got brought down recently. Specifically, the real big name is Leander Bomaro, who, if you watch this game, you watch it. I think most Wolves fans probably were watching this for Bomaro, and he did not disappoint. He was absolutely fantastic. So much to like, whether it was offensively, whether it was defensively. You've probably seen a, a number of highlights that have been sent out um, from this game, and that's not shocking because so impressive. Whether it was his one-on-one -on -one defense with some of the better players, he was able to hit. Uh, I mean, three-point sh shooting was fantastic. I, I know Bomaro has impressed at times, and here's the thing. 
when you get sent down to the G League, if you think about whether it's whether it's Shabazz Muhammad, whether it's Randy Foy, or um, man, so many wolves. Heck, even Jarrett Culver. When Jarrett Culver was down there a little bit, if you're if you're a player that is going to be anything of value in the NBA, you better dominate in the G League. Now, here's the thing: dominating the G League doesn't necessarily mean anything, but playing poorly in the G League does. I, I always think about it the same way as I do summer league because you're playing a lot of the same guys, right? You're playing the players that aren't necessarily going to be on the NBA squads. These are guys fighting for roster spots, and so if you're, uh, you know, if you're worth your your name, you better go into the G League and you better dominate and you better play well. And Bomaro did just that. Whether it was passing, whether it was hitting threes, he rebounds incredibly well. And again, his defense is so incredibly good. Let's jump into the box score here just a little bit to kind of give you an idea more so of what he was able to do, what other players were able to do, and so on. So he played 36 minutes. I mean, he played a ton of minutes. Uh, 50% from the field, 8 of 16. He was 4 of 9 from 3, a plus 16, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Probably could have had a few more assists, but uh, some mishandled passes and some guys not making shots uh, definitely made a difference there. But you get add in a steal, add in a block shot, just so much to like from him, 20 points overall. Uh, very impressive, very impressive from him. And at one point, the announcer said something along the lines of like, Leandro Bomaro is just doing it all on both ends, and he absolutely was. And he is by, f- I mean, to me, he's the MVP of this game. But the other guys that stand out to me, uh, if you're a fan of of college basketball, if you're a fan of the draft, you probably know this name a little bit. Brian Bowen II was absolutely fantastic. I could watch that guy shoot all day long. Three of six from three points. He was a let's see, 20 points overall in the game in 32 minutes of action. He was a plus 11, very solid there, and got some rebounds, nine rebounds, three assists, a very similar stat line actually to Bomaro. Two steals, so much to like about Brian Bowen, and he's still young. Brian Bowen uh, is a young player. He is, I believe I saw he's just 23 right now, or 20, sorry, 22, 22. Uh, very impressed by him. Uh, one guy that uh, was interesting to me, I watched this game in its entirety, and a guy that who I didn't feel like was mentioned much at all and who I didn't really thought jumped off the page was Matt Lewis. But Matt Lewis, 6 of 8 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3. I mean, this is the quietest 5 of 6 from 3 I think I've ever seen. He had 20 points in this one, and he only played 23 minutes. That's a guy to watch for going forward, and I'm going to definitely keep my eye on Matt Lewis in future Iowa Wolves games. McKinley Wright, by the way, uh, a good example of plus minus, not really telling the story. He was a plus 17. I didn't think he played well at all. Four of 13 from the field, one of five from three, uh, one of three from the free throw line. And keep in mind, uh, the G League now does have that rule. It's not the whole game. I think it's I think it's most of the game, and I think the final two minutes or so it changes where you only shoot one free throw, and a miss, you get nothing, and a make, you get two points. And so McKinley Wright, and he's not the only one. There were a couple other players that really did not do us um, did not do us a service by missing that one free throw that they get. But overall, I felt like the Iowa Wolves were by far the better team. Second half, they struggled a bit. So they they started this game. I think they were up twenty two to nothing over the Ignite, and the first half they absolutely dominated. Second half, I definitely felt like they struggled a bit. By the way, Jaden Hardy is uh, the guy uh, we were watching on the Ignite, and there's a there's a highlight specifically where it's him against Bomaro, and Bomaro absolutely shuts him down. If you have not seen that, look it up on Twitter. Uh, maybe I'll be able to send it out from our official at the Howl Radio Twitter account. I can probably send that out, and you can take a look there. So that's fun to watch. I mean, this is this is a G League Ignite team. The G League Ignite they have they have players. We're not. This isn't just like a bunch of random guys. They've got some guys that can play. And so when you watch that and you see just how well the Iowa Wolves played, uh, very impressive. And I think this is going to be a team that you are definitely going to want to watch and tune in for for the rest of this season. I think there's going to be a lot to like uh, when it comes to uh, the G League uh, this season and the Iowa Wolves. Hopefully the games are going to be a little more easily accessible. I reached out to the team, did not hear back as far as uh, what the best way to watch these games are. Replays, you know, I can't always watch the games live. So, like, for example, in this case, I was able to watch the the replay 
just off of the website. So that's the thing to keep in mind. And we'll probably try to uh, send out that link when we can and when it's available from our official, again, at the Howl Radio on Twitter is where we can be found. Final score again in this one was 98 to 87, although I don't think the game was as close as the score dictates. I felt like the Wolves got a little sloppy and got a little lazy in that second half, but overall they were definitely the better team. And there's going to be a lot to watch for down the road. There's some players that probably aren't going to be here all the time. You know, Bomaro, for example, he just played in this game, and he's going to be back with the uh, the Wolves club for the next game. He's not going to play, but he is going to be with the team. And that's one of the nice things about how close uh, the Iowa Wolves are to, uh, obviously, to Minnesota. It's very easy to get guys to go in and out. So one thing to watch. And, and let me add this, too. A couple guys that uh, I'll, I'll touch on quickly. Artur uh, Labinowitz. I thought he was pretty impressive. I really liked a lot of things I saw from him. And then um, I always love Canyonberry. I'm just a Canyonberry fan. He kind of reminds me, not only does he kind of look like him a little bit, uh, I just get some Brian Cardinal vibes. And Canyonberry, of course, notorious for uh, the underhand free throws, which is always a good time. So I always root for him. He's a fun guy to watch. Isaiah Miller uh, played 19 minutes in this game, 5 of 12 from the field. He did some nice things. He didn't, he wasn't amazing. And he's still kind of similarly to McKinley Wright. I felt like made some poor decisions. But overall, I think Isaiah Miller is a player to watch with this Iowa Wolves team because he plays such hard defense, has the ability to get to the hoop. Just a player I think that you really want to watch going forward for this Iowa Wolves team. So that's going to do it for this edition of The Howl. Uh, Again, we apologize for the hiatus, but we are back in full swing for this season. We can be found at the Howl Radio on Twitter. You can, of course, listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing That channel, which is where you're listening to us right now. And we are going to be found, as usual, that is Wednesdays at 2 Central Standard Time each week. Back, we are 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time now on Wednesdays. Again, you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing Minute channel. And until next time, let me get a howl.